What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Sorry to Interrupt podcast. This is episode 137. Sean and I are back. This is a month to the day from our last podcast. Uh, We've just been busy. Things have gotten in the way, but we're back. So hopefully you guys are happy with that. Started off talking about Kobe and um, his unfortunate passing and the rest of the people involved in that incident. After that, we went up and down the NBA. Following that, we talked football specifically, NFL and XFL. And then we wrapped it up with a little MLB talk, some cheating scandals and some format changes. So follow us on Twitter at Sorry Sports. Follow us on Instagram at Sorry underscore Sports. Check out the website, sorrysports.com, and if you have anything to say, shoot us an email, sorrysports at yahoo.com. Enjoy the pod, and hopefully we'll be back on Monday. everybody welcome back yes we are back it's sorry to interrupt after a new year hiatus whatever you want to say uh, a lot of stuff going on but even though it's remote tom i miss you pal how are you i miss you too man i'm doing all right happy to hear your voice um hopefully we can get in studio soon but over the phone we'll have to do tonight wanted to give the people what they wanted and uh get a pot out there sorry for the intermission but sean and i both have lives and we got stuff to do so get over it that's exactly right you got to get over it but we are happy to be back we got so much to talk about and obviously a couple things that we're going to bring up are a bit dated but things that you know we still value is very important talking points so we might as well get started man and, and you know let's just get the somber stuff out of the way because it is the most significant story we're about three weeks away from you know or we're about a couple days away from the three-week anniversary of Kobe. Uh, That was just, you know, it was one of those moments where you'll always remember where you were when you heard the news kind of thing. Yep. And uh, Kyle wanted to just get your take on, you know, hear your first impressions. What was it like when you first heard it? Where were you? And, and, you know, what uh, what was your varying emotions that you went through? I was actually in the car, and the first thing I saw was a text from my little brother saying Kobe's dead, and I was like, is he pranking me? Like, what the hell? Then I saw your text and a few other friends, and I looked at I finally scrolled down further to see the Bleacher Report. Um, you know, it, it's sad because Kobe was obviously one of my favorite players. Me and you both grew up pretty much in the Kobe era. Um, For sure. You know, not a perfect guy. We'll just say that. We'll get that out of the way now that that's said. Um, but seemed to be motivated to be as good of a father as he was a basketball player. And um, husband as well. Yes, and he was trying to uh, make up for lost time with his daughters just being on from being on the road. Um, and that was the whole story with the helicopter in the first place was that he did that to avoid L.A. traffic so that he could spend, you know, a few more moments with his daughters. So that's, that's pretty shitty. Um, you know... The, the crazy thing is, is like, especially with basketball, it's such a player's league that all these legends, it's just weird because all the, aside from Will Chamberlain, all these legends are still alive. You saw Jerry West talking about it, even Magic Johnson, Bill Russell's still alive. Like, 
He just turned 86 yesterday, yeah. Happy birthday to him, but a majority of the greats are still kicking, and they're still out and about in public as well. I mean, Russell's given the finals MVP every year. Jerry West is still running. I think he's a consultant with the Clippers now. So it's weird because we're never going to have that with Kobe, who who seemed to be still in the spotlight. And this is the sport, more than any other, that's so player-driven and where these players remain legends and A-list celebrities well past their their retirement, whereas some other sports like baseball, basketball, or, or sorry, football, you know, they kind of go away and you don't ever hear from them again unless it's Hall of Fame weekend or, or something like that. These guys are in the national spotlight no matter what, and it's just weird because he was an A, triple A-list celebrity. He really was, man. Um you know, obviously compounded by the fact that his 13-year-old daughter, Gigi, was there with him. Yeah, not to mention all, all the other people that were All the other lost. So, thoughts and prayers go to everybody. Yeah, nine total people died in that car, in that plane accident. And listen, man, to be honest with you, you know, that helicopter was something that he was taking all the time. He'd been doing this for years. Um, you know, traveling from his home up to Staples Center and not having to deal with the traffic and having the time with his daughters and uh, because it was kind of his mode to get back home and save time. It was very reminiscent of what Thurman Munson did when he was flying back and forth from New York to Canton, Ohio, to be more with his family, you know, in a quicker amount of time. So to see a guy like this who is this transcendent, you know, as you mentioned so eloquently, very much dominant in the public eye, just won an Oscars last year for uh, a short movie, a short film that he did. He was doing that detail series on ESPN Plus, um, breaking down plays. For, I think it was specifically during the NBA playoffs. But to just have a mind like that, he was very philosophical. He talked about the game to, you know, deeper levels that I think we're starting to see more of him rubbing off on guys like Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. Kyrie Irving was his, you know basically his mentee he called kobe the most he tried to emulate kobe not just on the court but also off the court and how he how he was as a leader and going through the struggles of learning how to be a leader are you trying to be too tough are you you trying to be the good cop or the bad cop and kobe struggled with that you know he had a lot of public issues with teammates and but he was a five-time champion and one of the greatest players of all time, and, and he demanded excellence from everybody who was around him because he demanded that of himself, and he knew he was going to get it. And just so crazy. Um, I came home from brunch, and I saw a, somebody post the TMZ link, right? And, you know, I'm not as much into the pop culture as you are, but... TMZ is one of those outlets that you. I kind of had an immediate pit in my stomach because you know they're not usually wrong. Yeah, they're almost never wrong. So when you saw this, and then I kept checking Bleacher Report and Twitter and nothing was coming out yet. I was like, okay, maybe this is a hoax or maybe they thought it was Kobe and it wasn't. And You know, all these different thoughts start going through your mind. And then about 5, 15, 20 minutes later, Adrian Wojnarowski comes out and tweets and then Bleacher Report starts to cover it and TMZ becomes more involved with the sports scene and it blows up into the biggest news story of probably I don't know when I'm not even going to try to speculate but just devastating tragic he was in our lives man he was 
you know, what do we say every time we throw a piece of paper into a basket? You know, Kobe, it's like, yep. it, it doesn't, it still doesn't resonate. It still doesn't compute with me that he's gone because you're seeing interviews that they're running, right? And they're from December. They're from November. I mean, that he was just right here and so prominent. It's it's crazy. It, it's just it shows you how precious life is. And um, you know, rest in peace to everybody. Uh, in the, Kobe, his daughter, and everybody else on on the helicopter. Absolutely. I think that's pretty much all you can say. Gone way too soon for everybody there. But um, let's move on to some less somber things in the NBA. So tonight, uh, I think there's a few games going on right now. I have the uh, Celtics Clippers game playing. But um, All-Star Weekend's coming up. So why don't we go over the roster? Let me know how you feel about it. We don't have to do the three-point shootout or the rookie game. We'll just do the big game um, and talk about our reactions there. Um, all in all, for both rosters, I think they got it right. I know Devin Booker and Bradley Beal had uh, Devin Booker, who actually made it because Dame's out, and Bradley Beal. They both had a little bit of gripes with it, but you know what? You guys aren't on winning teams, so stop bitching. Yeah, man, I agree with you. Not Carl only are they not on winning out. teams, they're on terrible teams. Terrible teams, and that's another thing that Carl Anthony Towns was saying. You know, what was his comment? You know, the tw- it's a shame that the twenty-four best players aren't playing, and it's like. Man, when you said that, you're in the middle of a 14-game losing streak. Like, you haven't won since, like, November 27th when yeah. you said that. So, it's like, shut up. You don't have a place to say it. And that is the interesting thing, right? Like, I still thought Kyrie was going to get in because his numbers are stupid this year. But he hasn't played. And so you can make a case that sometimes – I, I wouldn't say so. But you can make a case from the outside that the Nets have played better without him. And it's like, I guess that was kind of the outcry why Trey Young made it. Right, I mean, he's putting up these historic. He was also voted as a starter. Right, but it's like still like this Hawks team is among the worst in the league, and he made it. So I can understand veterans like Bradley Beal saying, you know, I I got hosed, or Kyrie saying that too, and it's a show. We'll still get a show, but I'm pretty much fine with it. All right, so let's go over the roster. So the two biggest vote getters were Giannis and LeBron. Not really any surprise there. Um, And they picked their starters out of that. So from the Western Conference, you have forward center Anthony Davis, guard James Harden, forward Kawhi Leonard, and forward dash guard Luka Doncic. And then obviously LeBron is starting alongside them. How do we feel about that? I think they nailed that 100%. Who else? I I don't even know who else would justified starting over those guys yeah really nobody i mean you could maybe make a case for tatum over Kawhi because Kawhi has been sitting out a lot of games but i don't even i don't even see myself agreeing with that case i think it's perfect yeah i do too i mean listen it's it's a show again and the the starters all of those guys are among the best players at their positions in that conference and you know I'm just excited to see Luca play with all these guys because it's it's Luca. He's he's the story of the league this year so far. Despite Zion coming on, despite the year Dame's had, Trey Young's had, you know, some of those guys won't be in the playoffs. Luca's going to get Dallas to the playoffs, and he is, I think, to me, the most fun storyline of this season. Yeah, he's he's definitely up there, if not the most. All right, let's go over the Giannis starters. Joel Embiid. Number one is starting at center forward, Pascal Siakam. 
is the forward. Kemba Walker is a guard, and Trey Young is a guard. Obviously, Giannis is starting at the other forward position. Um, how do you feel about this one? Probably would have liked to see Ben Simmons in that starting lineup, but I, I Ben I Simmons it. on Team um, LeBron, but oh, is he? Okay, my fault, my fault. You thinking um, Brandon well, Ingram? You know, it, 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 yeah, you could say Ingram. He's had a really good year. I don't know. I guess if you really want to put Trey, I just have a problem with Trey Young there for a guy that's not, you know, on a really bad team. Well, the problem is, is that if you get voted as a starter, you're starting regardless. No, I totally get that. I just, I don't know. I, I that's kind of my that's kind of my piece. But overall, so, you're just, so if yeah. you were designing your own team, you wouldn't start Trey Young. Is that what you're saying? Exactly. Well, Brandon Ingram's not on a very good. Um, not on a very good team either, although they are turning it around. All right, let's go over the reserves for Team LeBron. They have one more player than Team Giannis, obviously, because somebody's sitting out. All right, Devin Booker, Chris Paul, Dame Lillard, who's sitting out. Nikola Jokic, thank God he made it because I need him to have a big second half for my MVP pick. Ben Simmons, Sabonis, who is having an incredible year. Tatum and Russ. And I'm shaking my head at Russ. I think there were some other players that were deserving, but again, he's got the Rockets in playoff contention, so I guess he should make the team. Couldn't agree with you more on that. Um, you see the amount of shots he takes, it's just, it's insane. It is. But, you know, Russ, I guess you can say, has earned this. You know, he plays harder than almost anybody else. I know his efficiency is, is trash. I know his, he has some of the worst, you know, percentage shooting games that you'll ever see but you're right he does have that team in playoff contention and he's been an all-star for however many years in a row now i think he deserves it i'm you know i'm not gonna i'm not gonna go crazy about that we're more people deserving sure but you know we're talking about a reserve so sure absolutely i think there's four first-time all-stars with team lebron booker luca sabonis and tatum i think all those guys were deserving me too, and, and I want to get your take on this, man, because I, I feel like Devin Booker is a pretty polarizing guy amongst NBA people. You know, from the outside looking on, looking in, he's a member of the Phoenix Suns. The Suns are irrelevant. They're always two years away from being two years away. But like, he can fill it up, though, damn, man. If you follow, if you follow the NBA heavily, he can fill it up. He's I mean, a damn good player, and I think that team has played well enough where you can look at him and say, you know what? We need to see him on in the spotlight. I agree with you completely, and I don't really blame him when it comes to the struggles of the Phoenix Suns. That's a terribly run organization, and a lot of their pieces just straight up don't fit. No, they don't. And, and you know, they got off to a pretty nice start. I'm not sure exactly where they are right now as far as win-loss is concerned, but... They did get off to a decent start, and, and he's he's one of those guys that kind of... They're 22 and 33, my friend. All right, so again, not good. You would think they but, were going to get better when Aiton came back from that uh, performance-enhancing drug suspension. They've actually gotten worse. To your credit, though, it's a weirdly configured team. Yeah. Like Aiton might not fit on that team because you also have Baines who... Baines was know, playing incredible, too. Yeah, he was shooting the ball at a very high percentage from three. So I, yeah. I'm not really sure. I mean, they got off to a nice start early in November and into December. Obviously, they tapered off. You know, their their roster is what it is. But Booker was starting to kind of get that reputation of a really good player on a really bad team, and we don't know what he is. 
I don't know. I think that's kind of unfair. I think if you put him in a good situation, he could be the second best player on a really good team or complement a, a nice nucleus very well. Maybe even lead a young nucleus pretty well. Um, he just doesn't have that, but that shouldn't that shouldn't you know discourage people from wanting to see him in in the all on All Star Weekend. Yeah, absolutely. No, I mean. The All-Star Game's a popularity contest. He's definitely one of the 24 most popular players, so fucking put him in there. Agreed. Especially if his team's playing. A, he's not. He's. They're not as bad as the Wizards, and I don't think Beal deserved to make it. He's beyond that. I don't either, man. And listen, I get his. I get his gripe. I get him being upset. You know, to him, he's having a good year, and you know, he is one of the best players, and he has great value, and. All is well and good, but you play on one of... I'm sorry, can we call the Wizards one of the most boring teams in the league? Like, and the one time? of the worst, by the way. And one of the worst. But even when they're good, they're just not fun. I don't know what it, I don't know what it is. I don't know why Like I never find them attractive to watch, even with John Wall and Bradley Beal, healthy, and whatever they were a couple of years ago in the playoffs. But it's like nobody, nobody really needs to see Bradley Beal, in my opinion. Bring somebody else in. Bring a younger guy in. And that's what they did this year. Absolutely, absolutely. All right, so let's move on to Giannis's reserves. Um, we got Bam Adebayo, first-time All-Star. Brandon Ingram, first-time All-Star. Donovan Mitchell, first-time All-Star. Jimmy Butler's been here many times before. Rudy Gobert, first-time All-Star. Kyle Lowry snuck in there. And Chris Middleton. Honestly, man... Just looking at this, the only thing that really stands out to me is Rudy Gobert. Now, I know he's a two-time Defensive Player of the Year. That's all good. That's great. I mean, when you can't even play in crunch time minutes in the fourth quarter because of your free throw percentage and because they're pulling you away from the basket, I don't think you deserve to make an all-star team. You're not considered an all-star. You're great at a certain thing which is rim protecting and obviously rebounding, but you're not an all-star, which is, means you're one of the best all-around players in basketball. I don't think he deserves to make this team at all. That's a really good point. Um, I was I thought you were going to go to Bam Adebayo. Who no, absolutely not. Bam is playing crunch he's, time minutes. He's doing it all. He might be the best defensive player in the league. He's shooting a much higher free throw percentage. He's one of the reasons why the Heat are in contention. Listen, I'm not disagreeing with you. What I'm here, what I'm saying is that I've heard from a lot of people, outlets, you know, listening to podcasts, listening to the talking heads and whatnot, saying you definitely could have put somebody else instead of Bam Adebayo. And Bam Adebayo's had a really nice year, obviously, for all the reasons you just detailed. The Heat are a really good team. I'll take Bam um, over Rudy Gobert. That's all I'm saying. But I guess that's kind of the thing. I guess people are starting to look at Rudy Gobert and be like, you know what, he's paid his dues. And is he one of the best 24 players? No, but... Fuck paid your dues, man. That. I mean, you know what I mean? Like, this is the hey, all-star I'm not, not saying I would have picked him, um, and I, I probably wouldn't have, but that's, you know, to me with Bam, too, is like, he's had a really nice year, but is he somebody I need to see in the all-star game? I, I don't look at him as somebody I need to see in the all-star game. Any other gripes from the bench? I think everything else is pretty straightforward, in my opinion. Yeah, I agree with you. I, I think everything's fine. I'm happy Kyrie didn't get in, even though I love him. It's like he just what did he play? Like 15 games? He's played 15 or like 16 games. Yeah, no, and, yeah, no. exactly. Stop it. We're yeah. we're like I'm 50 happy games about in. That. I'm happy he didn't make it. Yeah, because that would have just been no. That's that would have been bullshit. They honestly, the NBA should put a stop. The way they could fix the voting thing is they should put 
a restriction on games played. If you haven't played this many games, you're not eligible to be an all-star. Preach, man. Baseball's the same way. We, we you know, I I get mad every summer when I see these guys play. I'm like, a, who the fuck is that? Or b, you're literally only putting this guy in. What was it? Albert Pujols, I think, made it like two years ago, and yeah. it's like. Are you kidding me? Like, he's not one of the top – he's not even the top six DH in the league right now. Like, mm. really? So, that's – yeah, I, I'm, a, I'm in agreement with you. I think harder restrictions would be nice. All right, so let's move on to uh, some trade deadline news. We got a few deals. We're not going to talk about all of them because, to be honest, all of them don't really matter. What do you think of the deadline this year? Um – we didn't see a Porzingis trade like we did last year, but there was some movement. Did you were you captivated by it? Were moves pretty much and to you, or what did you think of it this year? The moves were pretty much and this year. I wasn't as captivated as I was last year, although not too much happened last year either. Um, I mean, the only big players we really had move were who D'Lo and and Capella. Yeah, and I mm. guess if you want to put Iguodala in, that, yeah, Wiggins. Right. So let's talk well, about let's talk about that deal first. So I don't really feel like mentioning all the other players in the trade, but basically D'Angelo Russell was traded for Andrew Wiggins. Um, and I think did Minnesota give up a pick as well? I think two. Jeez. Um, yeah. And D'Lo is an absolute turnstile on defense. He's really not bringing anything there to an already terrible defensive team, but. Wiggins gets a fresh start out there with that infrastructure and those guys and one of the best-run franchises in Golden State. I w- to be honest, I wouldn't be surprised if you see him on an all-star team within the next two years. He's already averaging 22 points a game. If you can clean up his defense and bring that up to 25-26, he's definitely making an all-star team. And D'Lo and Carl and Anthony Towns, both terrible defensive players, not clutch players. I mean... I guess you could say D'Lo is somewhat of a clutch player, but I've never seen Carl Anthony Towns in a big situation. And D- didn't D'Lo kind of fold last year in the playoffs? He didn't really fold. You know, the matchup killed him. You know, it's like you're really going to play him against Ben Simmons and Joe Allen Bead, and they had Tobias Harris and Jimmy Butler on that team. You know, not really. Like, he, he, it wasn't a great matchup for him. Turnstile is, is exactly the word I would use with him. Tarab, so... I honestly think that the that again, as they usually do, the Golden State Warriors won this trade. Yeah, I'm kind of torn on. I know you're a huge D'Lo guy. I just I don't see it working out for either of those two in Minnesota. I think it's going to be a huge disappointment in about three years. You know, I'm not even. I wasn't even going to go there. You knew. You know, I like D'Lo because at this time last year. Kyrie and KD to Brooklyn was not even a thought in my mind. So, you know, D'Angelo Russell was playing really good for a Brooklyn net team that went to the sixth seed after being projected to tank. And I would have been more than fine with him as my franchise point guard if, you know, Kyrie didn't want to come. And, you know, to everybody that says, oh, well, teams are better without Kyrie, who would you rather have? Half of Kyrie or D'Angelo Russell? I think we know the answer to that. Um, I, you know, to me is I was kind of surprised that the Warriors did this now, which was only rejected. That thought of mine was rejected by the fact that apparently he was having some problems there. Like he was not 
the kind of guy that everybody thought he had turned into in Brooklyn. He was having some locker room problems, some character hmm. issues that Golden State was wary of. Pleased to report uh, somebody, um, you know, reported that the next day. And Interesting. That's why they moved on from him because I thought that they could have gotten a lot more from him. And and truth of the matter is, if you held on to him throughout the year, because even when Curry comes back, I think Curry will come back. He's determined to come back, but Clay will not. And Steph will be on a win, uh, minutes restriction big time. So with D'Angelo Russell basically getting a full year on the – what is it? The wor- They're the worst team in the NBA, right, record-wise? They're definitely that right there. I believe so. so. They are 12-43. and 43. Yeah, that's that has to be right there. So mm-hmm. you're going to have, um, you know, the number one, two, or three overall pick probably. And D'Angelo Russell, who was an all-star last year and, you know, is just playing point guard on a really awful team. I, I don't think anybody can pin the lack of success that Golden State's had this year directly on D'Angelo no, Russell. No, it's just a complete lack of so, talent. I was thinking that they would try to survey the market in the summer. And one thing that I don't think has been discussed enough is if Milwaukee falls in the playoffs this year and doesn't get to the finals or they lose in the finals, Giannis could be wanting out. And I don't know if there's a much better beginning trade package than D'Angelo Russell, an all-star point guard, and the number one overall pick, which could be James Wiseman. So there's a lot of maneuverability that the Warriors could have. I still wouldn't do that if I was Milwaukee. This is a historically bad draft. They might not, but what I'm saying is, is that you know some teams are he might they might not have an option. Like he might say that Giannis might come to them and listen. Giannis has shown no indications that he's this guy. He has shown no indications that he's going to want to be you know that guy that's demanding trades. But we never know. There's been plenty of those guys in the course of the NBA that seem like they're happy and then all of a sudden they don't like the direction that the team's going in or they see a window or they want to play in a bigger market. And Giannis could do that. There's a plenty of other players who are going to be on the trading block. And we expect Golden State to be ready to pivot back into title contention or at least fighting for the Western Conference title next year. D'Angelo Russell and a top pick for a really good player to a team that knows they can't keep a star. That's something that I felt like they would hold out for. So Wiggins, to me, I don't know what his ceiling is. I don't think he'll ever tap into that potential that he had at Kansas when he was coming out of Kansas. But you're, to your point, if he's not going to succeed in Golden State, he's not going to succeed. And I think they're, they're banking on that, right? Absolutely. They've built quite an infrastructure there. All right, let's move on to the next deal. Andre Iguodala. I mean, it's basically like signing um, a, a buyout guy because I don't think he's played all season. He has not actually played all season. But um, honestly, Memphis got a little something out of it because I like Justice Winslow. I do too. Um, I don't really know where he's going to fit because he was he was at his best when he was running the point guard role. And I don't know if you've heard, but uh, John Morant's pretty fucking good. Oh, is he? Yeah, I've heard of him. Yeah. Um, Another guy who should get all-star consideration this year. He's been incredible. He's been so good. And that Memphis team is interesting, man. I, I mean – I don't know if they'll get to that eight seed. I think that they'll push, but man. Tell you what, they, they got are, it right now going into the break. They're a really fun team to watch. Let's see if they're kind of this year's kings where they fold as, you know, you get towards that stretch. I'm sure the they last will be. Nine, 10 games. 
But we'll see. Um, either way, they were a really fun watch. And I think that they handled this trade deadline about as well as you can, right? So you move a guy who's old, has no future with the team. You were able to not only get a first rounder. I mean, you've got Justice Winslow, who has a lot of potential. You, he doesn't have to run the point, but you could put him in. I'm sure there's a way to make him and Ja work together. You move off of Jay Crowder, who was a really good player, but taking minutes away from some of their young guys. That's another piece that I think Miami's going to really have a lot of fun with because he has postseason experience, quote-unquote battle-tested, Tom. You know that. <laughs> and uh, I think that Jay Crowder is going to fit Miami real well, but for Memphis, I don't know if you could do much better than how they did at the deadline, do you? No, man, not at all. Getting a young, a still young player in Justice Winslow, a draft pick, and then a heat check guy who maybe you let him come off the bench for you in Deion Waiters. Yes. As yeah, long as he stays he... off of the, uh, as long as he stays off the fucking edibles. And you know what? We'll maybe be all right. they buy him out. <laughs> yeah, right. They buy him out what in edibles? They don't even give him money. They're just like, here's all the edibles you can you can ever yeah, have. Yeah, we, we don't even need to get, let another team sign you. Just take these. Um, <laughs> yeah, I I I don't know what their future is with him. There were reports that immediately after they got him that they were going to buy him out. I don't know. There's there were reports that the Lakers were maybe going to look at him. Even if he doesn't play, it's a guy that you know. He's a commodity, either as a buyout candidate. He or can fill it up, man. He's like a J.R. Smith type player. When he gets hot, he can drop thirty-five any night. No doubt. It's just so very few and far between. It's a win-win for him, uh, or for them rather, to have him. So, I think Memphis was the clear winner of this trade deadline. They did a lot. They moved a guy that didn't play for them and didn't want to be there. They got a really young, pro- nice prospect who's had flashes of success in the NBA. I think they're going to bank on putting him with Jaron Jackson Jr. and John Morant, and uh, you got Dylan Brooks from three, who's a nice stretch guy. I, I, I like the direction that this team's going in, and maybe this will vault them to that eight or seven seed, which for a Memphis organization who drafted second overall last year, that's pretty damn good. Absolutely. All right, next trade we have to talk about. This one really had me scratching my head. I don't know about you, but your former UConn boy, Andre Drummond, going to Cleveland. I guess they're just building, you know, not even Twin Towers because they have K-Love and um, Tristan Thompson out there. So I'm a little confused at what they're going for. You and me both. <laughs> maybe they're just like, maybe they're just like. Listen, teams are going to make more shots than us, but all the shots that they miss, they're never going to get an offensive rebound ever. Yeah. It's the you only know, way I could see it. Is that not how you'd run a team? No, it's not. And also <laughs> in his debut at the Cavs, I think he went out there and shot five threes. Can you believe that? I can. Good for him. Um, Listen, I understand that we're moving into that, but when you shoot 12% from three, I don't care if it's worth more than two points. It's not a high percentage shot for you, bro. I think it was one of those spite things where it's like, you motherfuckers actually traded for me? Like, why? Why? <laughs> why am I here? Like, I, I don't I don't get it. I, I, I did think Detroit would move him. I didn't know what they'd get for him. I didn't know who really wanted him. All indications from Woj and, that, and from Windhorst were that there was really no market for him at all. So, he's one of those guys, man. Like, the game just doesn't – he doesn't fit today's game. Right, like he'll he'll put up twenty five points and 
gets 17, 18 rebounds. He leads the NBA in rebounds in a loss. this year. But that's my point. It's the most hollow 25 and 18 you'll ever see. It was very much like what K-Love was in Minnesota. Absolutely. Put up these great put up these great numbers, be a torment to the team you play, but you'll still lose by 14, 15 every night. And that's what that's what the, uh, Andre Drummond is and I don't I don't even consider him a former Yukon boy. He went there. He was the only one and done that Yukon really ever had. So fuck him. But um <laughs> he was yeah, this this move made no sense. I don't know if he's going to – he's going to opt in. He has to opt in. Who else is going to give him that kind of annual value? You kidding me, man? Get so, your bread, bro. Get your bread. That's it. That's how I feel. If you, listen, let's just put it this way. If you're stuck between having to choose between Detroit and Cleveland, you're not where you want to be. <laughs> not so at you all. Might as well, you might as well get your money. Take some of that money that up. you're getting and buy a house on the coast. That's all I'm saying. Exactly, and then go sign, you know, a, a, a two-year, you know, twenty-four million dollar deal with a contender, you know, in in the summer of twenty twenty-one. I yeah. think that's your best bet, right? If you're if you're Andre Drummond. Oh, absolutely. All right, so let's move on to another deal. Um, Clint Capella and a bunch of other shit was moved <laughs> around. Clint Capella is no longer on the Houston Rockets, and I think the tallest player on the team is actually you, Sean. Yeah, yeah, my six foot zero, my six foot zero actually fits very well on this team. The Um, Rockets get back Robert Covington and some other trash that they waved. Now let me let me put it to you this way: so the Rockets have basically traded three first round draft picks for and Clint Capella for Russell Westbrook and Robert Covington. How does that sound to you? Doesn't sound good. No, not at all. It sounds like Daryl. It sounds like Daryl Morey's been getting. I heard this on the Bill Simmons pod. I think Daryl Morey's got a too. gun to his head or something. That that's what it sounds like, man. I think that he's being told by tough year I, for him, man. Between the China stuff, oh, brutal. You you think that he could rewind like fifteen times going back <laughs> to, you know. Just how last season ended with you know getting Durant out and still blowing that series, and then going into the summer. Like the more that Simmons and Rosillo talked about it on that podcast on the Ringer was it, it made me think more because I had this suspicion too, and I think you and I even brought it up from time to time talking about this season and what during the summer and the off season. Daryl Morey is, you know, the guy's a brilliant guy. And he's so far ahead of the analytics, and he was all about the shooting threes when the shooting threes thing hadn't quite happened yet. He made this move for Harden, who was really just a sixth man in Oklahoma City. You give up Kevin Martin and Jeremy Lamb and a pick, and you get James Harden. Why in God's name would you move Chris Paul for Russell Westbrook? When Westbrook is a a less efficient player, has more years on his deal, like it, and not and even in Chris Paul's old age, he's not as good of a defender. No, so it, it was just a completely anti Daryl Morey move, which leads me to believe that he was being told or pressured of you know by other players and on that team, uh, James Harden yeah. and other people within the organization saying you got to make this happen because this is how you, this is what we want and to to the way you just laid that out. I mean, and Robert Covington. You know more about, you know, a little more plugged in the NBA than I am. 
can you explain to me how this guy's value was two firsts that were being asked for? I know he was in the trade last year, the Jimmy Butler trade. He's a nice player, and he can score, and he can play some defense. But Robert Covington, really? I think he did a pretty good job describing it there. I'm, I, that's a major head-scratcher myself. Um, you know, he's a 3-and-D guy. He's not a, a sharpshooter by any imagination, but he can knock down corner threes. But aside from that, I mean, I guess they really need him because they're going to need him to play some center along with P.J. Tucker. <laughs> and I'll tell you what, this this shit is not going to work, man. Like No way! And I'm all for the, the spread it out, shoot threes, as boring as it is, use your analytics, forwarding the game. This is too much, man. I mean, even the Warriors had a 7-foot Kevin Durant, a 7-2 Zaza Pachulia, a 7-plus-foot JaVale McGee. You know what I mean? Like, these guys, your tallest guy is P.J. Tucker a majority of this game. He's 6'7". Yeah, and Draymond can also rim protect. Who the fuck is rim protecting? I'm confident enough to go to the basket on these guys. Not to mention the fact that with the Warriors, Klay Thompson was an elite plus-plus defender. You know who your two-guard is defending? It's James Harden. And your point guard is Russell Westbrook. Steph Curry at least tries on defense. It's really rough, man. And, like, I know everyone... I swear to God, if this team wins a championship, I don't know what they say. I'll cut off my pinky. I'll cut off my pinky. Strong. Um. I'm looking forward to that. Go Rockets. Um, but, no, I, I couldn't agree with you more. It's like I know everybody was shitting on them, and then they beat the Lakers that night, and, every and like, you had to kind of, like, you know. Well, here's the thing, man. Here's the thing. When, when you shoot 53s in a game, if you make 50% of your threes, you're going to win that game. They, I, I, I will not bet on this team in the regular season at all because they can win any one given night. But when you're playing a team seven times, you're not going to be able – it's just the law of averages. You're not going to shoot 50% from three every single game. And you're not going to out-rebound teams and get lucky when these guys are so much bigger. You're, and, and P.J. Tucker is going to get his ass kicked. He's going to be dead by the end of the series. And what happens if, God forbid, he gets hurt? Well, you know, again, I, mean, I think that this was their last-ditch effort. I think everything that they were – banking on and trying was clearly not working and this was kind of a throw your hands up and say fuck it kind of move this is a joke you made my point for me because i was just going to say you know every it sure looks good when you make 50 percent of your threes right but what was the game that they had last year in the golden state series i want to say it was game six that one that they lost where they went like five, I think they went eight of like 45 from three. Well, man, that's I mean, what happens every year. They go cold and then they lose. Right, and and I'm sorry, Russell Westbrook isn't going to help your three-point percentage. James Harden has nights where he'll go one of 17. He's had a couple of those already this year, mm-hmm. depending on what city he's in, because, you know, it's James Harden, and <laughs> we don't have to say anything more. Um, and, you know, if Eric Gordon's not firing, it, it's – it becomes this, you know, avalanche, and it it has turned its ugly head. I have to say, though, one this Rockets team. One positive thing: Westbrook is attacking the basket with so much ferocity since a center has been gotten pulled out of there, as well as James Harden. But you know what? They're gonna figure that out in a seven-game series, and he's gonna end up getting his ass kicked. 
you're you're making great points, man. I couldn't agree more. I was going to say the same thing in a seven game series against a taller, more physical team. You might be able to escape with one or two games, but you ain't escaping with four, and that's going to be the Rockets' demise. And listen, to be perfectly honest with you, I don't really even blame them because they were they were in a really bad slide. And Capella, to me, is just one of those guys who I'm a little afraid that Jared Allen's going to be, where he'll rim protect, he'll block a lot of shots, he looks good in transition, but, man, in crunch time minutes, he's just hard to have. Excuse me, he's hard to have out there. So I think I, I, I think Allen's already got a big leg up on him on the on the free, in the free throw department, which is huge. Yeah, he's a much better free throw shooter, but he's still not. Just great. to give you a positive. No, listen, I I like Jared Allen. I'm just saying that you know that style of player that is it, it fits sometimes, but not in crunch time. And and the Rockets have they've lost way too many games with Clint Capella on the floor. So. At this point, it's all I'm kind of like you're damned if you do, damned if you don't kind of deal with them, right? So let's see. I would have liked to have seen them try and trade for Baines. He seems like yeah, the perfect was, player the, for them. What was the value on him? I mean, I think he'd probably be an I think he'd probably be a heavily protected first rounder, maybe maybe a Gerald Green or something like that. I don't even know if he was available, but I think he'd be the perfect player for them. Because he yeah, can run protect more step. than anybody they have, and he can also stretch the floor and shoot the three. Yep. Well, and then there were reports that they, you know, which makes this kind of funnier, is when after they moved Capella, they called the Nets about DeAndre Jordan. Well, they probably thought they were going to get him for pennies on the dollar. Which was not going to be the case. Not at so. all. He's playing big minutes for the, for the Nets. Playing big minutes, and he's there because of Kyrie and KD. There, he ain't going anywhere. So, absolutely. I, don't know. I, I thought I thought the All Star, or I'm sorry, the, I thought the trade deadline was, you know, there were some interesting storylines, but it was kind of like there were a couple of sparks, and then it. Just I think it was more oddities for me. I, I'm fascinated. So let's talk about the state of the league real fast before we finish the NBA. We're at the All Star break now, man. So the Knicks yeah, traded Marcus Morris. We'll take that. Speaking of the yeah, next. so are you happy with the return you got for him, or was it really just about moving him? Um, I mean, I think you could have gotten a little bit more. That's that's a shit draft pick, but you know what? I'm just glad they moved him. He was a ball stopper. He was really he was playing great. Don't get me wrong, but he was also getting more touches than he's ever seen in his NBA life. But he was really stunting the growth of guys like R.J. Barrett and go down the list, Kevin Knox, all of them. Um, you know, if he really wants to come back as a Nick, they can re-sign him next year. Um, they have a new regime, though, so hopefully they make some better decisions. What are your takes on the new regime? What are you thinking? I like the fact of how plugged in, I believe his last name's Rose. Um, I like the fact of how plugged in, he's a former CAA agent, um, Joel Embiid's agent to be specific. I like how deep he plugged into the league he is, knows everybody, seems to be a really good um, top-end manager, and I think he's going to try and change the culture, at least attempt. With Dolan still being alive, that's going to be tough. Um, <laughs> and if it wasn't Masai Ujiri, I was going to be disappointed no matter what. But, you know, you got to hold out hope at this point. You just, that's all I can you do. Weren't, yeah, you weren't getting Masai. Not at all. I know they floated that out there. And honestly, if you don't call Masai, you're not doing your job as an owner. But... You know, I, I knew they weren't going to get him. 
Yeah, like, are you really going to trade, like, three future firsts that he's going to need if he's the Nick president to to turn into something? And you're now all of a sudden it's like, congratulations, you're the president. Oh, by the way, you don't have any first-round pick, any, like, lottery picks. Yeah, exactly. Years. And you're going to win 20 games. So, yeah, it, it was tough. I, I don't hate it. It's kind of like, you know, the Phil thing was a disaster, but you liked it when it happened because of his success and – now you're going the complete opposite route. We've seen Polinka, we've seen um, uh, Myers in uh, in Golden State. So it can it can have success. At the end of the day, it's going to be what are you, who are you drafting, who are you developing, and what's the culture that you're bringing. And we talk about this every time with the Knicks. So it's just that's what's going to matter, and we're going to see if if he can bring in the right people and make the right decisions that start to bring the Knicks back into relevancy. Absolutely, man. And, you know, Steve Mills had been with the Knicks for, I mean, how long? 20-plus years he had been in that organization. So clearly he has something to do with that all of that, um, all of that losing. Oh, yeah, for sure. The Knicks just don't have an identity other than being awful and poorly run. And now what you can do is you can hope that this move is the first of many steps of saying, okay, we've hit rock bottom. We're going to try for more. And we're just going to go a different route that is a bit unconventional, but it has worked in a small sample size. And, you know, you hope that players... You hope that Kevin Durant is the outlier, where where Rich Kleiman and everybody who's plugged in with him is saying Knicks, 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 and KD is an, you know enough of an, his own person to say no Nets, Nets, Nets. You hope that he's the outlier and everybody else is saying oh yeah that's my guy he's he, yeah he's with the Knicks yeah let's go build something with in, in, at the Garden you know that's what you hope for. I hope to God. All right, let's go around the league a little bit with some rapid-fire stuff, some stories. All right, so the Bucks still aren't in double-digit losses. They are 46-8. and eight. They lost last night. Um, incredible season. They lose Brogdon, and they seem to get better. Yeah, just talk to me, and honestly, just talk to me in May because they're going to wipe the floor with the eight seed that they play. They're I agree with you team. completely. They're a great team. They deserve... They even play well when Giannis is off the floor, which is interesting. Dude, they're great. And and, and Budenholz are such a tremendous coach. Um, I just want to see them, you know, when when the spotlight comes on to that Eastern semifinals. But until then, they deserve more credit than they're getting. But, again, they're the Milwaukee Bucks. Like, I'm sorry, you're not a sexy team. The defending champs, the Toronto Raptors, are 40-15. and 15. They're in second place. They are having an incredible year. And Siakam is basically turned into Kawhi Leonard. I think he could win back-to-back most improved players and finish a top-five MVP. Couldn't agree more. I think he'll do both. And, you know, we were talking about the All-Stars earlier and, and what do you think of Kyle Lowry. Kyle Lowry deserves a shit ton of credit. I know that he's been, you know, up and down and he's had times where he's overrated or he hasn't shown up. And But last year he showed up in big moments and, He's a catalyst for this team. He's played a really big role in this team's success. Nick Nurse is a tremendous coach. Player development's, you know, about as good as it gets in the league. Um, I still don't know if I buy them, but that might be my fault. They're a great team. 
Absolutely. So looking down the line following that, we got the Celtics, Heat, Sixers, that's disappointing, Pacers, Nets, and Magic. Uh, my Magic are right back there as the eighth seed. Um, anybody else stand out to you there? I think the Sixers just are a major disappointment. Yeah, just Philadelphia. I mean, major disappointment for sure. I'm I mean, looking at a glaring pitching. stat here, my friend. They are What's twenty-five that? and two at home, nine and nineteen on the road. They're a yeah, bunch they of don't pussies. The they don't on win the on the road. Uh, Joel Embiid's had some contentious moments with the Philly faithful. Surprisingly, uh, you know, in my yeah, opinion, at least. Know, you always felt like between Simmons and Embiid that Embiid was Philly's guy because he just kind of embodies that city, and we've talked about that a couple times. But he was the process. I don't know, man. man. Simmons, those two together, it's a problem because they both hog the ball. I also just don't think floor. that they respect the organization or their head coach at all whatsoever. That's a good point too. Um, yeah, that could definitely be the case. Brett Brown may have had his peak as a coach but i think you're also dealing with two alpha personalities and let's not also forget that we did a podcast about what feels like a year ago but we did it about a month ago and we were talking about the nba right after christmas and we were talking about how this philadelphia team with al horford and tobias harris around simmons and Embiid, they don't fit there's a lot of awkwardness and standing around and it just, it doesn't fit. I mean, if you're trying to build a puzzle, eventually you're going to run out of, out of pieces with this team. And that's kind of where we're at when they're good. They can beat anybody. They've beaten Milwaukee a couple times. They beat the Clippers the other night in an impressive game. But again, that was at home. I don't know. This team to me is like, it's it's the epitome of Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. Yeah, man, I completely agree with you. Your netters, they are just below 500. They're hanging around on that seven spot. I'm not worried about them missing the playoffs. They're just, I think, for you at least, having them, good, what, being the three seed, they must be a little bit of a disappointment. A little bit of a disappointment because of the injuries. Um, but I think we're about to go on a little bit of a run because... You heard it here uh, first, folks. You heard it here first. Yeah, you know, even the games they've lost recently, they've played incredibly well. Karis LeVert is is balling out and he is fully healthy he was a guy that missed a lot of time early in the year and Dinwiddie's hit a game winner against Indy the other night he's filling up the stat sheet he's been good the defense is my biggest piece that I'm taking away from this team right now their defense is by far the best that it's been all year over the last six seven games and to end Toronto's win streak last night in convincing fashion at home you know, they seem to have their rotations figured out. Torian Prince is playing a bit better. Kyrie's coming back right after the break, and I know he's had an up-and-down year only because of injuries. You know, Kyrie's going to come back, and when he plays, he's just special, man. He has, Do you know that he already has three 50-point games this year? Wow. And he's played in 18 games. That's insane. Like, he, he does things that other players don't do. And, like, that's kind of always my thing when I talk about is, like, is your team better without Kyrie? From the no. outside looking in, sure. But, no, the Nets are a better team with Kyrie Irving. And you can – what I like is when he did come back and play for a couple games before he tweaked his knee, they were playing him and Dinwiddie together, and Levert was coming off the bench as the ball-dominant guy. And it seemed like that worked really well because when, when Dinwiddie wants the ball, he can take mismatches and take isos. 
and you know you've got Kyrie lurking against a lesser defender. And then when Kyrie has the ball, you know Dinwiddie's going to have a mismatch. So it was working pretty well, and they seem to complement each other because they're also pretty close off the court. The thing that's getting me the most excited, though, and I'm certainly not going to proclaim this, I've been the one out of all my net fan friends that have said it's not happening. KD's workouts are ramping up big time. And there's a lot of footage of him going full bore in workouts. Again, those are workouts. I don't think it's going to happen, but the more I can completely deny it, I see a story of him doing this. And this could just be KD. This could just be that. But I don't know. If it, I still think even with Kyrie and without KD, this Nets team, as long as they're the seven seed or the six seed, they could give the team that they play in the first round, either Toronto or Boston, uh, you know, a, a series. I think if they play Milwaukee, they'll get swept or lose in five. But I, I, if I'm Boston or Toronto and Kyrie's healthy, I don't want to play the Nets. Just well, saying that. I agree with you completely there. All right, so let's move on to the Western Conference, buddy. The Lakers are a number one seed. I think they've been number one pretty much all year. Um, they're 41-12. and 12. I would have liked to have seen them do a little something at the trade deadline, try and move a Kuzma just because I think he's a dead asset to them. Um, but that's just me. I think they need a little more shooting going into the playoffs. The Nuggets okay. are the two. Um, the Clippers are the three. I don't think they've really found their footing yet. And I think, honestly, until it gets to the playoffs, it's going to be tough for them to find their footing given that Paul George and Kawhi don't really play as often as most of the superstars. And then capping that off, we talked about the Utah Jazz having a really down beginning of the year and being disappointing. Well, they've really turned it around. They must have listened to our podcast, bro. I think so, man. And my old friend, Bojan Bogdanovic, is, uh, he's, he's, balling out. he's so good. Yeah, I, I think you made a really good point about the Paul George-Kawhi combo. They haven't played together much. I know they've beaten the Lakers twice, but the, the first one was opening night, and you know you didn't have a feel for either team yet. The second one was real close on Christmas night. What do you make of that matchup? Like, do you does LA do the Clippers have enough size to match up with the Lakers? Like, what do you make of those two teams? It's the only thing that worries me is that I think Anthony Davis is going to play extremely well in that series. But with that being said, I just think that the perimeter is too much for the Lakers. Do you see either of them being aggressive on the buyout market? Like, let's let's say, so Cleveland has not made Tristan Thompson available. But if they do, you got to believe the Clippers are going to snatch him, right? They bring in a Marcus Morris. 100%. Who, let's, just, let's just call it how it is. I like Marcus Morris as a player. I... I, I question him on certain teams because he's so, you know, like you said, the ball sticks with him. You know, the th- other thing... I don't know how he fits on this team. The other thing, and I don't mean to go on a rant about Marcus Morris, no, no. but I just hate the fake tough guy act. Like, yeah, I watched, the, I watched the Clippers game from a few nights ago, and him and Embiid got into it. And it's like, all right, they're getting into it. But then you look at the time and you look at the, and you look at the points, and it's like... 30 seconds left and they're down 11. It's like, okay, why are you fighting him now? Why weren't you fighting with him <laughs> in the second quarter? You're doing this fake yep. tough guy act when the game's already over. And that's, yeah. that's his no, that's MO. A good, that's a good point. And one I hadn't really considered as much, I think probably because you do have legitimate tough guys in Pat Bev and Kawhi where – 
I have less trepidations about Marcus Morris on this team. I was talking more from a schematic standpoint of, you know, this is a team that prides itself on moving the ball and really having elaborate schemes offensively and being able to create mismatches and, and just flow on offense very well. And Marcus Morris doesn't do that. I felt like this was almost a panic move by them. I, I could be wrong. I, I, I might be over, you know, critiquing this, but to me it felt like panic move. I thought, I thought they had other areas. I agree with you completely. I, I think that they should have gone after a big man, but maybe they're really confident in the buyout market and they felt like they needed one extra guy that can fill it up. Yeah, I, that was probably their thinking, right? Like, I don't know. I The buyout market's going to be interesting because everybody immediately believed Tristan Thompson was going to be the first guy bought out and Cleveland's come out and said that they're not going to. I don't know if that's true or not, but I felt like there was going to be somebody that at that center position that mattered more and it doesn't even have to be it could be an NBA version of a goon kind of like what Golden State had with Zaza Pachulia or Andrew Bogut right like just somebody to match up because even though they'd beaten the Lakers twice the Lakers from a physical standpoint just completely owned them and they don't have a Kawhi but they have a LeBron they don't have a Paul George but they have an AD I'm not I don't know. I felt like the Clippers had other glaring needs. I felt like this was kind of a panic move. Like, it was just a move that was like, hey, he's available. Maybe it was a make sure the Lakers don't get him. Like, they could have been that too. Yeah, I think it was more of that because they really didn't need him. The more you look at their roster with Lou Williams coming off the bench, the ultimate six man, uh, I think he's won the award three times. So, I don't really know, and then that makes it tough because that kind of ruins the second unit pick and roll with him and uh, Montrez Harrell. Um, we're going to have to wait and see with the buyouts. Um, anybody else in the Western Conference that stands out to you? Rockets obviously really, a little man. disappointing. I Dal- I, yeah, I, I still put Dallas right there where they could really wreak some havoc in the playoffs because of a, if, if, if Porzingis plays like he's been playing lately, which is the unicorn status, and then you add, you know, obviously Luca, who might be gunning for MVP this year. I don't know. Uh, they, they, they're not. They are not a team that you want to play in the playoffs. No, not at all. They're they're a much better version of your Brooklyn Nets. Yeah, I agree with that. Not going to win any championships, but hey, you might get knocked out if you don't come correct. I think that's a very fair point. All right. So we have not spoken, my friend, since the Super Bowl happened. Um, luckily, me and you did get our predictions in on Mike Phillips' website. Um, I believe it's justinthesuffering.com. Um, you and I both picked the Chiefs minus three, from what I remember, with the spread. Or was it, it was minus one. It was minus one and a half. Okay, whatever. We were we were right regardless. But we were right. We were right regardless. Um, what did you think of the game? It was a really good game. Um, I was happy with just how the game went. Obviously, you know, people are going to point to Shanahan being a choke artist again. I didn't see it that way as much as other people did. I felt like it was an easy narrative to get based off of his problem with the Falcons a couple years ago but they still botched it I just didn't think it was an all-time choke job I don't think it was an all-time choke job but I absolutely do think it was a choke job there was a lot of plays 
where I was saying, you know, run the ball here, do this here, and they were just doing the complete opposite. Yeah. I mean, to me, it was like, are you really going to hold Mahomes in this offense to 10 points for the game? Yeah, no, absolutely not. I, I, I didn't think so. And listen, Mahomes, it was only a matter of time. And, like, going into this game, I know we didn't talk about it all that much. Like, he – he has magic in his bones. Like he's going to make a couple of plays that nobody else is going to make. And it doesn't have to be a time of possession thing. He might just make one or two plays in a 45 second or minute and a half span that can beat you. And he did that. And Damian Williams should have won MVP all for Mahomes. I know he's the new face of the league, him and Lamar and, and now it's going to be counting Mahomes' championships, right? Because this was only his second year as a starter, third in the league. Everybody's going to be looking to see if he starts winning multiple. Um, but for right now, he's one of the new faces of the league, and he's going to take over. So I think that led into the MVP uh, decision. But Damian Williams, what a game. Yeah, I agree with you. I was thinking he was going to win MVP, but usually if the quarterback doesn't have an all-time shit show of a game, he's going to win, and Mahomes kind of turned it around towards the end there. Happy to see Andy Reid get a Super Bowl. I've been saying that all year. I was rooting for him. Finally, he'll get the recognition with some of the coaches that are up there that he deserves to be up there with. Known as an all-time regular season coach, but now he's finally got that ring. I'm happy for him. I, I, I was... I didn't really have a dog in the fight. I just, it, you know, when it all was, all was even, Andy Reid is probably the best coach to have prior to this game have never won a Super Bowl. And he's been there. He's, he's one of the most decorated coaches of our, you know, the times of us being fans. I mean, how many times were those Eagles teams great? He went to four straight NFC championship games and a Super Bowl with the Eagles goes to Kansas City, had was, you know, a fingertip of D Ford last year away from fucking from going to another going to a Super Bowl. It just felt like it was his time. And, and listen, I'm 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 rooting for Shanahan. I, I think he's gonna get one at some point in his career. I don't know when. But this was the perfect storm for Andy Reid. He had the you know, Donovan McNabb was a great quarterback. Put up a lot of numbers, big time pro you know, pro bowler multiple times might be a hall of famer he didn't have a a sliver of the magic that pat mahomes has so he had his quarterback he had his offense he had a defense under with steve spagnuolo who had won a super bowl before as a dc it was like the stars were finally aligned for him to finally get that super bowl and, and i'm amped for him absolutely all right so we got nfl free agency and contracts coming up now that the season's over um, the New England Patriots, the San San Diego, the L.A. Chargers, gotcha. There, there you go. And the Dallas Cowboys all have decisions to make a quarterback. Now, the L.A. Chargers have already made that decision in the sense that they are not going to re-sign Rivers. We don't know who's going to play there. But the Patriots and the um, Dallas Cowboys still have to make that decision. Now, for me, I think the Dallas Cowboys are definitely going to go out and give Dak that contract. I don't think there's any chance of Brady going down there, but I think they're going to drop the bag on him. How do you feel? You know, if you asked me about two weeks ago, I would have agreed with you. 
it seems like they might franchise Dak. It goes to show how volatile the position is. True. Dak's a top 10 quarterback, but he's not a top 5 quarterback. And there's a big drop-off from top 4 or 5 to top 10. And, um, you know, I think they're going to weigh all options. I, I think if they do move on from him, it would only be for Brady. I know everybody's saying, yeah, let's just put a perfect marriage of the most brandable quarterback of the last 20 years with the most brandable franchise ever. I would still call it a pipe dream. Um, I think Dak will stay there, but I could see it being a Kirk Cousins kind of deal, at least for one year with a franchise. How about you? I agree. Do you really with you. think they're going to drop the bag on him, or do you think they're? I going actually to think I, I think he's going to stay there. I agree with you in that sense. I think they're dropping the bag on him. I think Jerry Jones you're, you're wants to get it out of the deal. way. You're what did you say? Long-term deal. You're talking long-term deal with him. Mm-hmm. Don't get that done. Absolutely. Okay. okay. Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't be surprised by that either. I think out of the three scenarios, I would be the most surprised. The way I feel going there. The way I feel, Jerry Jones isn't buying green bananas anymore, and he wants to have the best team he possibly can in place for the net, for the future coming, for the very near future. And I think that he thinks that if he gets Dak out of the way, locked in there, it'll be one less thing he needs to worry about. See, I would use your argument against you here, my friend. I oh, yeah? I would say that if he, ain't, if he ain't buying green bananas, this is the time he goes get Brady. Fuck the future. Hey man, you could be right, but I think Brady's going back to the New England Patriots. I think he plays. I think he pussyfoots around with them. They do a little stupid dance. Brady, you see Brady in um, in L.A. with the Chargers. You see him with the Raiders and all these other bullshit franchises. And then he comes right back home at the end, and he just throws up the middle finger to the rest of us. And the Patriots are in playoff contention again next year because gotcha. it would make me too yeah. happy to see him in a different uniform. That's God true. wouldn't he- allow that. No, God and him would not allow that because all they want to do is contribute to your everlasting suffering. Exactly. But I will tell you this. I don't think it's the Chargers, and I don't think it's the Raiders, but I don't think it's the Patriots either. Wow. Reason reason I'm saying it's not going to be the Chargers or Raiders is we just saw the Kansas City Chiefs win the Super Bowl, and this is not the 2015 Broncos. This is a team that's set up to win for a long time. If he was 36, okay, maybe he goes over there. If you're playing with the Chargers or the Raiders, are you going to beat Mahomes in Kansas City twice a year and win that division? No. All he knows is winning divisions. So I don't think that's going to happen. I have two teams for you that make a lot of sense to me. And when it's all said and done, I think a combination of these options and also Belichick wanting to move on because it's the Belichick way and without having to trade Brady, he finally is in position to do so. The Indianapolis Colts and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They're two teams and two divisions that are very winnable. They're two teams with very good head coaches that are respected for being able to make the quarterback great. The Indianapolis Colts have a very strong offensive line, one that the New England Patriots do not possess. They have skill positions, and almost every mock draft has them taking Jerry Judy, who is the best route runner in this in this draft and has been acclaimed as one of the best route runners that any wide receiver has been coming out of college in the last 10, 15 years. So they're set up for a lot of success in a division that, let's be frank, is pretty winnable. And I think the only reason they didn't win it this year was because Jacoby Brissett was the quarterback, not Andrew Luck. Um Tampa Bay Buccaneers, again, playing in the NFC South. There's a lot of doubt about Carolina, a lot of doubt about 
Atlanta and a lot of doubt about what New Orleans' future holds. I mean, they've had a couple of really devastating, heartbreaking losses in the playoffs the last few years. How much more does Breeze have? You go to a Tampa Bay Buccaneers team that has a lot of good players on their skill position. And Jameis Winston was able to put up prolific numbers, both for the good and bad this year. Put Brady with Bruce Arians and Byron Leftwich. You mean to tell me that he can't have a lot of success down there? I like I, I like both of your calls. I like both of your calls. I like the I like the Colts better because I'm still not out on Jameis. Saw a headline that he had eye surgery. That explains a lot right there, man. Maybe next yeah, year those picks turn into touchdowns and he has an all time year. Eye surgery is huge. It is. I don't know if it's, you know, pun intended by the way on my part, because I think I'm hilarious. I don't know if it's eye wash, but <laughs> I think it's I think it's uh I'm obviously joking about fucking Jameis and the eye surgery. Yeah, I don't I, think that's I, a big deal at all, but I, I really do so think either, that they're going to bring him back. Have made, yeah, no, I, I know you're giving me bullshit, but I know a lot of people are like, oh, well, you know, he'll cut down his picks. We know what Jameis is. And and what, and Leftwich and Arians, you know, Leftwich is going to be gunning for a head coaching job. Arians is only came back for this job because to help Jameis. Regardless, I think they bring him back. If this eye surgery worked or not, I think they bring him back. So tough, man. I don't know. But anyway, that's where I see Brady going, one of those two spots. Okay. All right. Well, we're going to have to wait and see. I see him staying as a Patriot. So did you watch any of the XFL last week, just continuing on with football? Watched a little bit of it. I liked a lot of it. Disliked some of it. How about you? Yeah, I watched a good amount of it. I watched the... um, I watched most of the two, both two o'clock games, and I watched a little bit of both five o'clock games. I liked what I saw. Um, it looked like pro football out there. It, it didn't look like I want to say too too much of a diminished product. Um, I like some of the rule changes. They're not just trying to copy the NFL. Um, the only thing that worries me is I think they're going to be – they're a little too big for their britches. I think that they need to embrace the fact that they're a small startup league, that people are football hungry, and they should stay in the smaller soccer stadiums instead of trying to fucking sell out MetLife and all these other big places. Know your role, build up a fun league, and you might actually last. You know, it's funny, man. Apparently, because that actually is what they've done. The, the Dallas team plays in the old Texas Rangers stadium. The D- the Washington team plays at the old or at the uh, DC United Stadium. St. Louis plays in a dome that's not occupied by anybody, and LA is playing in the soccer stadium that the Chargers play in. I don't know. I know Seattle's playing at CenturyLink because they couldn't get a deal with any place else because there is nowhere else. Because remember, the soccer team out there plays in CenturyLink, mm-hmm. and then MetLife was only done because the Red Bulls. Uh, in Harrison, New York, wouldn't um, wouldn't allow them to play there. They didn't want them fucking up the turf playing football instead of soccer. So I actually think that they did the best they could. Uh, you know, they closed off the upper deck in Seattle and New Jersey, and I think that's fine. Uh, I, I honestly, I put it to, uh, I put it this way. I was talking to a, a, a training client of mine. I was saying, I was like, you know, if I, I would call it. I would say it's pro football, but not NFL football, as far as talent. Absolutely. Concerned. And you know what? I mean, the NBA G League has gotten progressively more successful. Obviously, you have three to four levels of minor league baseball. Football doesn't yep. have that. So there's a hunger for more football. 
all those leagues get by just fine. They all generate a profit for mm-hmm. for their professional leagues. And I know, you know, the MLB and the uh, the uh, the independent league all the way through AAA and the G League are all affiliated with with teams for the most part. So they have a lot more leeway budget wise. But you never know if the XFL does what they're supposed to do and don't try and step on the toes of the NFL. Maybe at some point. Maybe there'll be a partnership, not a merger, but a partnership. I think that that's the end goal. Um, I think that's the hope for both sides. Uh, it will get you know potential players back into the NFL. Guy, it'll be. I mean, you look like at a that. story like the Sean Oakman. He's he's yeah. a starting. I think he's starting for Seattle. I mean, the guy got wrongfully accused of um, sexual assault, I believe, on something that apparently he didn't even do. He was supposed to be a first-round draft pick. Nobody would touch him in the NFL. At least he's getting a second chance in this league. I like it. I, I Honestly, I believe that this league could succeed. I think that, you know, you already have more than the AAF had. You have ABC, Fox, and ESPN covering games. Oh, the AAF you was have, a joke. It was because it didn't have the, you know, it was on CBS Sports Network at 9 p.m. on Saturday. You're getting primetime hours. You did it the right time of year, right at literally right after the Super Bowl. So people are still hungry for football. And you end the weekend before the draft. Perfect. And it it has modern ideas. That I think the NFL will have to look at during the meet, during the owners' meetings, and say, "Hey, actually, you know what? This makes sense. I love the kickoff. I love the uh, one, two, and three point plays without extra point kicks. You still have field goals. You still have punts. You still it's football, but it's a modern version of football. You have a ref that's only there to spot the ball. How many times do we see in a game where the spot is wrong?" You have a ref here who's that's his only job, so it speeds that up. You have the play calling in all the skills position players' helmets, so it gets at, you know the plays can be executed a bit quicker. So you only the quarterback only has to tell the lineman what the protection packages are. I think there's a lot of benefits to this league. I'm looking forward to sticking through it. I don't know how seriously I'll watch it, but I know I will watch it. I think it's uh, I think it could succeed. I really do. Is it like to, to your point? If it just stays in its lane and it does what it's trying to do, build it, you know, take, you know, eventually take the training wheels off, but use them for now, I think it could be successful. Me too, man. I just hope that uh, being that it's a Vince McMahon product, he doesn't try and uh, turn it into the WWE or something huge. Not like last time. I think he learned his lesson. I, I hope to God. He hate me in this league, so that's good. True, although he was pretty fun. He was. All right, so let's move on to the MLB. Um, today, the Astros owner had a presser. I guess he kind of apologized. Oh, sucked. What did you say? It sucked. Yeah, it did suck. Um, this whole situation sucks, and we're going to find out what the ruling is for the Red Sox, which is going to bring out more details, which, to be honest with you, I think is going to show us that the Astros and the Red Sox were dumb enough to get caught, but a lot of other teams are cheating. Yeah, I, I think you just said it perfectly. I, I don't think any team is exempt if we believe it was just the Astros and the Red Sox. We're all idiots, and we're trying to make ourselves feel better. I think that one thing is for certain, though, is no team was nearly as egregious as the Astros. No, no, I think no. The, Red, 
The Red Sox punishment will come down, but all indications are that it's not going to be anything that intense. Um, every day this thing gets worse. Every day this, this thing has become more and more ridiculous. And their scheme and the way they set it up is, you know, next level spy shit. It's, it's just... It's pretty cool, to be honest. I... It, it's cool to hear about that somebody would be that that an organization would be this elaborate. And I was thinking about it because when we talked about the, when the punishments came down, I was like, you know, I don't love it, but I get that this is the most they could do. And I would have been cool with that. But as more and more has car- started coming out, I'm like, you know what? Honestly, fuck that. Because here's the thing. Rob Manfred works for the owners. So in order to cover Jim Crane... He's also, you know, pissing on all the other owners who lost money, you know, most particularly, uh, you know, the owner, the Steinbrenners and the owners of the Dodgers. Then you also have Tony Clark, who is the president of the MLB Players Association, who granted immunity to the players and made sure the players weren't suspended in any of this. Well, now you have players filing lawsuits, Against the Astros, and you have a whole players' union that's pissed at 25, 27, 29 guys. So, are you you're protecting these players, but you're not protecting the you're you're protecting eight percent of the players, six percent of the players, but not ninety two or ninety four percent of the players. To me, that's a problem. And if they don't figure this shit out soon, I think that, that both Manfred and Tony Clark are going to have their line, their heads in, you know, uh, on the ropes. There's a lot of shit going on. Players and teams are not happy. I agree with you completely, man. And, and the most absurd thing is the buzzers, man. It happened. I yeah. agree with you, but you Did know you it's making me laugh. AJ Hinch's interview, real fast. Did you see AJ Hinch's interview on MLB Network? No, I did not. Give me a brief summary, though. Oh, it was just, you know, I didn't do what I should have done. You know, I didn't tell them to stop, even though I bashed the monitors with a bat. I thought they'd get the signal. Like, are you fucking kidding me? Verducci asked him, "Do you think the 2017 championship is tainted?" He's like, "You know, I hope, I hope not, but I get why people would think that." It's like, yeah, no shit, it was tainted. I'm waiting to and hear Beltran speak as well. You know, the Altuve thing. I'm like, come on. Oh, the shirt who thing? Who does that? Yeah, well, whoever rounds third base after win- hitting a walk-off homer to send your team to the World Series, how often does that happen? And he's rounding the bases in euphoria, grabbing his uniform, telling his teammates no? Come on, man. Absolutely. And And you want to know why his excuse was? It was because he was too shy to have his shirt off on TV. Meanwhile, if you look at his Instagram. I was going to say, June 17th, 2018, topless pick. Do you want me to keep scrolling? You can if you want. Yeah, I'll let you know. Let's keep doing the pod, and I'll tell you if I can find another topless pick. I think he's taking a few down because people are shitting on him. It's fucking ridiculous. Uh, The whole thing makes me more and more pissed. Like... I try, I'm a fan, right? Like, you and I are fans. Like, the worst thing for us is that we don't get to see... February 2nd, 2017, topless pick, L2 of a, you fuck. Nice. So, you've got, like... We're fans. We're pissed. We invest a lot in the team. But we're not pitching for the team. We're not playing for the team. We're not part of the team. No matter how much sometimes we like to think that we are. 
the play all the players are saying, yeah, you fucked us. And that you cheated. And that you took away championships from us. Notable, legitimately, you know, strong players saying that they took away livelihoods or took away championship opportunities. Can you imagine the Yankees and the Dodgers right now having two teams that they lost to in back-to-back years facing penalties for cheating? Come on. It's bad. It makes me more and more pissed because the credibility of the game now is gone and the credibility of the Astros is gone. And for the display that they put on today of their horseshit apology... Oh, absolutely ridiculous. They have no remorse. They have no, you know, they're not apologetic at all. They would do it again if they had to. And I'm telling you, man, there's going to be almost, they can bank on almost every single series that they play in. They should have, they should be ready for a brawl. They should have two or three guys on their team that can't hit and can't pitch, but can only punch because they are going to be destroyed by teams and players who feel like their careers and that their livelihoods were interfered with or friends of theirs or former teammates of theirs were interfered with because of this team. I couldn't agree with you more, man. I was actually thinking about that when, um, I don't know if you remember when, um, I believe it was Ryan Dempster had to hit A-Rod for the Red Sox. Yeah. um, Right when he came off the suspension. And and that was just one player, you know? This is a whole team. This is a whole team. And, and, you know, Marwin Gonzalez, who's a member of the Twins, now his third year there, you know, had a very deep apology. And, um, you know, Jake Marisnik of the Mets now made a very heartfelt apology. But nobody on the the Astros' current team has had any of that. I don't know if if they're just not allowed to talk or choosing not to. They are, yep. Jim Crane organized an entire speech today or meeting to the media and, like, had this well orchestrated. And he comes out and says, oh, well, it didn't really help us win. We had a great team and really good players. Then why did you even have this, you motherfucker? Like, come on. Scum. Scum. Absolute scum. The more I've thought about it and the more I've heard players who were involved with playing the Astros to you know in important games but you know if I were the Yankees I would have Tommy Canley I would have Severino I would have Chapman geared up and just ready to let loose because mm. these are guys who were on the 17 team and the 20 and the 19 team who you know lost chances to win championships because of this team yeah man it sucks I mean I'm sure the Yankees cheat but not to this. Not to I this think level. every team. I think every team teeters. But what I don't like is, you know, after the Apple Watch thing, Manfred said, "Okay, I know shit's going on, so everybody just stop." But there's been nothing about other teams in relation to anything close to this. This not is at a. All. This was an organizational. You know, this was something that you don't see from things outside of the CIA. I'm just waiting to see. Um... What the Red Sox did, as well as what their punishment is. Me too. It should be interesting to see. For, I think so. I'm not prepared for anything serious, but I think it. You know, I think it'll be something. All right, so let's move on to the last thing we have to talk about. That's the MLB format change. Um, why don't you give us a little more of a description of that? 
Yeah, so they want to do seven teams in each league make the playoffs, so 14 total, very similar to, you know, how other leagues have expanded their postseasons. Um, the first team would, the number one seed in each league would have a first round bye, and then from there on down, the number two seed and the number three seed would have a right to pick the team that they want to play. And they would play a best of three series. That best of three series would be held exclusively in the um, leading seeds team's park, so you would eliminate off days. And I think it could be interesting. I, I think don't like that, it. I don't love it. As I think it's perfect fact, the way would, it is. I would prefer it not to happen, but if it did happen, I wouldn't be pissed. And here's the thing that we need to understand. You know, you and I are baseball people. We love baseball. Baseball's in our blood. We're, it's our favorite sport. The NFL captivates us. NBA is a lot of fun. There's a lot of drama. It's like a soap opera. But baseball, at the end of the day, is what you and I love. But baseball's not worried about us. And truthfully, they shouldn't. Yeah, they should that's a good point. The, they should worry about the fans on the fringe who watch M- you know, NBA and NHL playoffs for two months, and then they see a champion. Now, at least in the NHL, you know, you have an eight seed beat a one seed every year, and that's kind of what baseball is. Because if you look back, I mean, the Washington Nationals were a wild card game this wild card team this year. Yep. And the Royals were a wild card team. Giants. Yeah, there's. Yep, the Giants a couple times. So there's there's that whole big thing that any like, do you want to be? You know, let's say you were the Dodgers last year, and you say, well, I want to play the, you know, I want to play the Mets, and the Mets are the seventh seed. You really want to pick the Mets? You really want to face DeGrom, Syndergaard, in a, you know, back-to-back? You might pick a division winner. I think it's interesting. You know, it, it, it gives incentive to teams to be like, oh, yeah, you want to play us? Well, fuck you, too. <laughs> or, like, you're really going to pick a division? Because what's the hypothetical we play every year? Who should the Yankees play? Who do we want to play? Well, we want to play the Twins because we beat the Twins every year, but this isn't your father's Twins team. We might rather play the Red Sox because even though the Red Sox are a great team, we match up pretty well with them. Well, now you actually have the opportunity to pick who you want to play, and that hypothetical becomes a reality. I think it's interesting. I'm not a, I don't love it, but if it happened, you know, I wasn't a huge fan of the second wild card either, and now I love it. So, I don't know. You? I don't really like the picking thing. I think it just puts too much I don't want to say, I don't know, pressure on on the manager and whoever else is going to make that decision. I'd rather you just play your ass off, get the number one seed, and play whoever the shittiest regular season team was that made it in. Yeah, I agree with you. I just think it leaves less up to chance, less regretting, um, and it just gives you the ability to only worry about the task at hand. I, I agree with you. Some, I think sometimes the beauty of baseball is just you play who you play, and, and, you know, it's the ultimate war of attrition. This kind of takes that away. But I don't know. They're trying to spice things up. And to me, as long as you don't take away the fabric of the game and the fundamentals of the game, which some new rules are, but still not super intrusive, I think you can be flexible on the playoffs uh, format. I do. I mean, I like the... I could understand the addition of the more teens. Maybe it's just the choice thing that bothers me. Yeah, I think that's I think that's fair. It, it certainly is unconventional, but who knows? We'll 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 see 
what they end up doing. But well, it's not going to go into effect this year. So no, I think an expansion is definitely coming. An expansion of the league as well. No, of, of the playoffs. Okay, because I think an NBA expansion's coming. I don't know about a. I don't know about an MLB. I think, think MLB will have thirty-two MLB teams. But I was talking about expansion in the playoffs. I think okay. just the format now. It's it's great, but I'm sure there's a way if you if you peel the regular season from one sixty-two to one fifty-six and expand the postseason a little bit more. Okay, I think that I think that that's a way where you can still accumulate all the money. You have more TV because you're going to broadcast all the postseason games. There's more postseason games. Certain teams that weren't expecting postseason games can now sell postseason tickets. There in turn, you know, you make more money than a random, you know, September game when your team's out of it. I think that that's something that they're looking for. Um, and they're just trying to spice things up, you know, because MLB is always last of the race when it comes to this stuff. Yeah, absolutely. That's part of the problem. Um, all right, so any pop culture you want to talk about? Not really, man. The Oscars came out. Um, I didn't agree with all of it. I did not see Parasite. I really wanted Joker to win. Uh, oh, wow. I know Joaquin Phoenix won uh, Best, Best Actor, actor. Uh, as he should have. Once Upon a Time, I thought, could have done a little bit better. Brad Pitt won Best Supporting Actor. Um didn't see Parasite, knew nothing about it, heard it was a big deal. I, I don't know. I, I saw certain movies. I thought they should have won. I'm glad Irishman didn't win anything. I thought it was a good movie, but I didn't think it was. I think once you're on Netflix, you should be, you know, it shouldn't be the same as other movies. What about you? I don't think it has anything to do with Netflix. I just don't think it was any any of those guys' best movies. No, I don't and I don't so think either. it was. I, I it was a good movie, and I, I may watch it again, but I don't think it was worthy of winning any awards. Uh, Parasite, I will be seeing tomorrow, so I'll give you a little book report right. on it. Um, I'm looking forward to that. After after I go ahead and see it. Aside from that, I think Once Upon a Time in Hollywood should have gotten a little more recognition. Um, I have yet to see 1917 either. I've been really behind on the movies. I don't know how you yeah, felt I about seen it. Yeah, I have um. So yeah, we'll have to watch it a little bit more. Do you feel anything? Do you feel anything about the Grammys? I was happy Tyler the Creator here's, finally here's a won a Grammy. For you. Have you listened to? Did you listen to the new Eminem album? I have not listened to the new Eminem album. Um, I think it's great. I think it's you? the best that he's done since recovery. Yeah. Okay. I'm not really a big Eminem guy. I hate to tell you, but I will give it a listen. I respect him. I just he's not one of my favorites. I obviously have listened to the listened to the funeral from uh, Little Wayne. I thought that album was pretty good. Um, Tyler the Creator won best uh, best rap album. I thought he was yep. well, he had never won a Grammy before, which I was honestly shocked by. I think he deserved it. And then it seems like Billie Eilish won every other award under the sun. Yeah, good for her. I mean, I wanted I wanted Lana to win uh, album of the year for Norman fucking Rockwell, but I know you know, you Billie Eilish. Billie Eilish. Well, and you know, I wouldn't have been upset with T Swift either, but um, she was she know, even honestly, in the running. Yeah, Lover was up there. That was that was one of the that was one of the nominations. But you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna plead ignorance on this. I really haven't listened to any Billie Eilish. I don't know her well at all. She's um, she's super talented, man, and and different you wouldn't expect her to be a 17 year old kid or whatever she is she's got a lot of soul um and i actually really like her music you know 
once they announced the nominees, I tried to give a majority of their albums or songs a listen. Um, and mm-hmm. I actually ended up being becoming a pretty big fan of Billie Eilish. You should definitely give That's her a listen. That's awesome, man. I'm not surprised. I've heard nothing but good things, and I don't have a reason for not having listened to her other than just there's a lot of other stuff I've been listening to. But I'll have to I'll have to get on board with that because obviously she's a big deal and, and she cleaned up at the Grammy, so good for her. Any shows you're into recently? Curb Your Enthusiasm, season ten. Hell yeah, I'm glad it's back. Bro. Awesome. Um, Very culturally relevant. I, I think it's absolutely hilarious. I think this whole season is just it's awesome. Absolutely. A few documentaries out that you've been watching? Any podcasts? Watch the Aaron Hernandez ones. Um, I watched it know. as well. I didn't even finish it because I know how it ends. Um, I didn't really was, care. No, I, I, you know, they really tried to bring the whole sexuality thing out. And to me, it was kind of unfair because he doesn't have it. You know, he obviously can't speak for, for himself at that point. And there's a lot. It seemed like it was just a lot of like that was kind of the overall tone. So I agree with I you. A lot of people, I didn't love that. a lot of people have felt that way and I can't agree more. I mean, it's just like, Oh, he killed all these people cause he didn't want anybody to know he was gay. It's like, okay, if that, that's yeah, the way you guys want to spin it, it's your documentary. Didn't love it. Um, but I still found it provocative for podcasts. Remember that podcast series I was telling you about in the summer, that summer of 69. Series? Yeah, bro. I listened to that cover well, to cover. Yeah, so they're doing a, a they did a Roaring Twenties one, which I didn't even know about. But buckle wow. up because they they did about fifty two episodes. Oh, did you listen to all of it? No, I don't have that much time. So I'm like, I discovered it like a week and a half ago. So you know, I'm just churning through them, doing the most I can with everything else I listen to. But they're very good. I mean, you know, the nineteen twenties is easily as far as like counterculture and just everything is still something that's part of Americana that we always try to harken back to or at least try to like research or learn about and from everything from politics to the underground to um, you know race relations to you know sexuality to everything it's it's very music uh, sports it's very it's very good so so far I like everything I've heard but I probably won't finish it till April all right, man. Well, that sounds good. How only about you? thing, only thing I really have to say is um, I watched that documentary. Don't fuck with cats. Oh, um, I'm not touching that shit. Yeah, I wouldn't. Um, a lot of look away moments, I guess you'll say. But yeah. pretty. Um, I you know I don't really have words to be honest with you. I'm not. I'm not going anywhere near that thing, man. <laughs> um. If you're, I don't even know who the fuck to recommend this shit to. As you can see, I can't really figure out what words to use to describe this. So I'm just going to leave it at, yeah, I saw it. Um, that's that's that. All right. Well, <laughs> I'll leave that be. And I think that's a good way for us to finish off today. <laughs> yes, absolutely. All right. Um, so I guess we'll be back on Monday. Yeah, we're going to give it, you know, we're going to try to get back into the swing of things, I think, right, man? Absolutely. So follow us on Twitter at Sorry Sports. Follow us on Instagram, Sorry underscore Sports. Check out the website, SorrySports.com. And enjoy the weekend, guys. Enjoy the weekend. XFL Week 2, here we go. Yes, sir. Yeah.